This is the Action Network Podcast. You can hear the chatter from the crowd. We have a big chance, a big chance to make a run for some big bucks. Three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Gilles Gallant, with the Action Network. And today, very special day. It's NBA Draft Betting Preview Day. We're going to be looking at the 2023 draft, looking at some betting markets. And I'm joined by Action Network betting experts, Brian Fonseca and Luke Swain, also known as Vegas Refund. Now, before Luke and Brian uh, let us know kind of what they're thinking about the draft here, I wanted to remind everybody the NBA Draft is next Thursday, June 22nd, here on this podcast. So we'll have two NBA draft betting episodes, this one today, plus another episode next week. And we'll have lots of draft content featuring even more action experts, including Brandon Anderson. He'll be over on the NBA podcast Buckets, as well as the Favorites podcast with Simon and Chad next week. So be sure to check those out as well. Okay, first and foremost, let's start with a little refresher for our audience. People who may not be betting the NBA draft as often as we are. little reminder kind of like how we did our NFL draft episode. So, Brian, Luke, short and simple, for those new to betting the draft, why and how is betting on the NBA draft different, and why is it better than betting on some actual NBA games? For starters, a lot of those long shots that people are sort of scintillated by, you could actually hit on a couple throughout the course of the draft because there's a lot of unpredictability that comes with it, right? If you're watching a game, you could sort of see, all right, I have the rhythm of how this can happen and, you know, can project where this is going to go for the draft. It's more, there's more unpredictability to it, which also makes for a fun betting experience. And on top of that, there are trades to account for. And in talking about trades, which is something that we're going to get into, those are hard to predict. So in doing that, there's just a lot of possibilities to land on something that's plus a, a thousand or something even larger than that. Definitely. Definitely. Luke, how about yourself? The NFL draft has become somewhat of a like spectacle. Specifically, this past draft, it seemed like like everyone was betting it. Where in years past, it was somewhat of an under the radar type event to bet into. Coming up to this NBA draft, like the first thing I've started to realize is that this NBA draft might be like the NBA might be more leverageable than the NFL because we've had NBA playoffs or in the M- M- NBA finals, and there's just a lot less eyeballs on the NBA draft right now. Where Lines aren't moving nearly as much for the NFL. Um, So just the lack of attention really is playing into, I think, our advantage. And for me, like for someone who like really isn't quote unquote NBA expert, I have no bias on anything where we've always brought into the equation, like eliminate your personal bias when betting the draft, which I literally have none. I know nothing about a lot of these players other than what schools they've gone to. And that really is honestly an advantage because you can just eliminate your opinion and just bet off of info. Um, and I actually somewhat think the opposite to what Brian said, where this is way more predictable than anything. It's informational based where some guy could get hurt. Like you can't predict that. The commission just has to take the card to the podium and that's a bet. Um, there's a lot less volatility um, if you have the right info uh, where those 10 to ones are definitely possible. Those are the best. I mean, Paulo was 25 to one to go one last year. So if you have the right info, you can get ahead of the market that everyone isn't paying attention to as much, uh, where Brandon Miller was nine to one to go number two a month ago. 
and now he's minus 200. I think you guys both make great points and that the NBA draft is definitely, you could find a ton of value everywhere. I want to piggyback on Luke's point about how the NBA draft can be a little more predictable than say the NFL draft. And I think that just goes to show mainly just because there's just less positions to factor in. Teams aren't really drafting based on need as much as well. So uh, I definitely think the betting markets can be a little bit more uh, indicative of what may play out. For example, the number one overall pick, which has Victor Wembanyama going number one overall at minus 20,000 right now to the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, This is actually the first time in five years where the first overall pick market has had market consensus for pretty much the entire year. I think Zion was the last one in 2019. So I guess if you have $20,000 laying around, you want to make a quick hundred bucks, that might be the best course of action. But I wouldn't advise that just because there's a lot that could happen from now until draft day. And but and just going back to your point where like the NBA is becoming positionless, where like needs like quarterbacks, et cetera, like play a huge factor into the NFL, where the NBA draft, you can leverage big boards a lot more where best available player is going to become into play a lot more if you're like, I guess centers kind of are like the outlier, but like in a league that is becoming positionless, like best available player and referencing the big boards, I can definitely come into play more than let's say an NFL draft with like quarterbacks or like a bad quarterback's going to go in the first round where he should be going in the second. Great point, Luke. And uh, one of those things too about the big boards and mock drafts is how much they do influence the NBA betting market for the draft. And Luke, you have compiled this goldmine of information with your NBA draft spreadsheet. You're tracking odds, mock drafts for over 30 different um, reputable mock drafters, uh, you know, gathering consensus on the market. And Luke, I wanted to ask you from your history now of doing this for a few years and tracking these mock drafters, is there one that has more influence than others uh, as far as betting markets are concerned? And how much do you let it factor into the bets that you're making? Yeah, so that that is another difference where like the NFL draft, we there's like multiple different sites that compile like ratings after the fact. And you have a five a five-year run of how they've done. But the NBA, there really isn't anything in terms of like a rating system after the fact on how they've done. Um, so like figuring out what mocks you want to trust. And there are just a lot less of them where in the NFL draft, there are new mock drafts coming out every single day. But right now an NBA mock draft, you might be lucky if you get one. Uh, but out of like the ones that I've compiled, there is like a core four, which is Wasserman, Bassini, Giveney, and O'Connor. Um, Jeremy Wu was one last year, but he went to ESPN. He was with the Sports Illustrated and now Giveney and uh, we are like splitting duties, which you would hope that they do two X better than the, what they've always done. Um, but I would say Wasserman, I don't think any of them really are moving markets just purely based off of the attention. Uh, but Wasserman probably would be my number one currently. Um, he's plugged. He had like, I did like somewhat of like a personal rating and by far his mock last year was great. And he has the most updates. He does like and his context is very valuable within like the fine print of every pick. Absolutely. And Wasserman uh, does great work. And Brian, I wanted to ask you from your perspective, is there a mock draft or uh, a reporter that's on this kind of beat that you pay attention to a little more before factoring in your bets? Or is there ones that maybe you're looking at that you take with a grain of salt because they're trying to go maybe a little too far left with some of their predictions? 
Yeah, you have to be careful with mock drafts and information in general around this time of year. Like there are some, like the ones that Luke mentioned, uh, I would also throw in NBADraft.net typically does a good job of, you know, keeping track of everything. Their big board is also very useful. Um, I know some people use Tankathon as well um, for the same purposes. And I would also say like now's around the time where the uh, the fake NBA reporters try to creep back into the sphere and just start like throwing darts at a wall and trying to get their name out there, whatever. I would advise people just know where you're getting your information from, right? Like that's that's the key thing in all of this and what we're about to see, not just with the draft, but with the offseason beyond that is just be mindful of where stuff is coming from. And there are some mock drafters who will just copy other people's mock drafts and just like sort of, let's move this guy here. Let's, you know, it's like the same thing as copying a test in high school and not trying to get a hundred because it's obvious. So you instead settle for like the 85 or the 90. That's what some other mock drafts (laughs) be doing out here where they'll swap out seven and nine. They might change up six, whatever, but ultimately it's the same. So yeah, I would say, Gavoni, Wasserman, Vicini, um, as you mentioned, Kevin O'Connor, The Ringer. Um, I know CBS has a couple as well, NBADraft.net. And uh, otherwise, just be careful. There are, I'm sure there are some other people in the in the independent level who do a great job as well, right? But be mindful of where you're getting your information from, especially it, this time of year. It's the most copycat product that exists, and it's the biggest clickbait product that exists too. And I would say like the groupthink consensus is definitely at peak right now where – like Wasserman just did a, an update to his this morning and he had Ben Shepard coming from like second round all the way up to number 18. And I would guarantee you all the mocks that we see over the next couple of days, are going to start having Ben Shepard in the top 15, um, which like you heard that he was having, you had, yeah, excuse me. He had momentum, but like when someone like Wasserman puts him up like that much of a jump, like everyone else is reading it that makes mocks and there's a highly likely chance um, that they're going to be piggybacking off of that. For sure. So really what we're coming down to and what we really want to tell people is there's a select few of guys who are more plugged in than others, guys that will share more reputable information. And the big thing is just be careful for those copycats or those, you know, those fake blue check marks of the Adrian Waj, like W.A.J. Arnowski, like random ones. Just don't get duped by that before you start making bets for that. All right, let's look past the first pick because obviously first pick, we don't really have to talk about that. Spurs pretty much already have that etched in stone. But I want to talk about the number two pick and the number three pick markets because while there is some consensus on what we're seeing for number two, it wasn't necessarily that when the season started. And that has to do with Brandon Miller from Alabama and Scoot Henderson, who has been uh, in with the G League Ignite over the last couple of seasons. And the consensus at this stage on June 12th, 10 days out of the draft, is that they're showing Brandon Miller as the consensus at number two with Scoot at three. What I want to know is at this stage, because I'm seeing Scoot around plus 150 to go number two overall at FanDuel, is there any values at this stage, guys, to grab Scoot at number two, or does Brandon Miller feel like a done deal at the second pick? I wouldn't say it's a done deal, but it, it definitely is closer to that than it was before. And which is surprising because if you remember where we were at the beginning of the year, Scoo Henderson was like easily the number two overall pick, uh, according to most people. I think j- just because it's a draft and like you never truly know. And Luke mentioned Paolo earlier, like that wasn't something that a lot of people got ahead of until or tried to even get on period until very late. Like the momentum kind of shifted the week of the draft in a lot of different areas. 
And I think uh, it can't be a sure thing yet, but it is looking that way. And also, if you look at just the Hornets roster construction now, they have a lot to do still. But how much sense does Scoot Henderson versus Brandon Miller actually make, which is how we're landing at Brandon Miller being the number two pick and going there, even in the aftermath of uh, Miles Bridges in that situation. (laughs) But that's sort of the guy he would be replacing, ironically. And uh, with Portland, you know, we'll see if they even keep the number three pick. But Scoot Henderson does make a lot of sense there if they're going to if they're going to pick a certain direction. But I do think there's some value there. Like if Scoot Henderson, you know, is at number two, because he can and other draft experts have said this and other NBA guys have said this and you can watch and see he can play with LaMelo Ball if they wanted to go that route. And if they really wanted to, like if you start hearing about they may trade Terry Rozier, which could happen in the days leading up to the draft or on the draft itself, they may trade Terry Rozier, who's on a contract. And they may actually free up a spot where it's like, okay, Terry Rozier's out. They get whatever in exchange. And then Scoot Henderson comes in to play with LaMelo Ball. That's something that if you're Charlotte, you're doing your due diligence on now to potentially talk yourself into. So Brandon Miller's is uh, Brandon's a rightful favorite. But do I think Scoot Henderson still has a chance or two? I do. But obviously, I wouldn't favor it right now. What do you think, Luke? I mean, if we learned anything from the NFL draft, it was like these odds can flip in a matter of minutes where – we had Bryce Young as the favorite to go number one. And then all of a sudden it was CJ Stroud and people were laying minus 200 on CJ Stroud because they thought it was a done deal. And then all of a sudden a month out, it flips on its head and Bryce Young is the favorite again. Um, and everyone's probably regretting laying it. So I, I would not be laying these numbers with Brandon Miller, um, especially since it was like nine to one, not too long ago. And mm-hmm. I think if, if there is a scenario like <laughs> that is a long shot. It would be like looking at, I guess, and this would be like, I haven't bet it and I don't plan on betting it, but like Brandon Miller, like to go four or five or something of that nature, where if Scoot does go to, which I think Scoot going to is like, plus it's nothing sexy. Um, there are plus plus one fifty right now yeah, is what I'm seeing like, at FanDuel. There are scenarios that like Miller could fall to like four, et cetera, if he doesn't go to, um, which like, I don't believe that. Uh, but between the first two picks, or excuse me, picks two and three, I wouldn't be laying juice. Um, but it it does feel like it's becoming a certainty. Yeah, uh, yeah, I just wouldn't lay it because it's just it's close, but it's not a certainty. And based off of what we just saw and has happened before, I mean, Paulo and Jabari were flipping back and forth by the hour last year. Um, so anything can happen. And once NBA Finals ends, which we're assuming is going to be tonight. The attention on the NBA draft is going to exponentially increase as of, let's say, Tuesday. Um, and things like this, more news, more reports, and odds will shift based off of it. So I, I guess then the, the the pivot then, if we were looking at an idea, because it sounds like Brandon Miller at minus 170 to go second overall. Nobody wants to grab it at this stage because like Luke just mentioned, we could have had it at 9-1 to one just a month ago. What I'm wondering now, because you had just said hypothetically, what if Brandon Miller was to drop out of the top three? I'm seeing at FanDuel right now, both Scoot and Brandon Miller at 26 to one to be the fourth overall pick. Hmm. Wondering if maybe there could be a possibility there where if you're thinking that one of those guys drops out of the top three, that might be a worthy angle to maybe consider for uh, for our listeners. I could I, I could not recommend that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that's fair. We got to ask these it, questions. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be unprecedented, but at the same time, 
why I can't get there is who's going to be the guy to leap into the top three. That's what I can't really wrap uh, my head around at this point. Is it going to be Amen Thompson? Like, I don't quite see that. Is it going to be, you know, uh, Walker? I don't quite see that. Um, But I mean, 26 to one, at least will make you think about it. But I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to happen. At least, at least as of today, you never know what could happen in the next 10 days. Exactly. And, and I think that was the reason why I was asking because with, the off-court stuff happening with Brandon Miller. Obviously, that hasn't seemed to impact his draft stock enough to 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 do that. So again, that was more just thinking for the listeners who don't want to lay minus 170. But at this point, I think we'll just move on and look at some of the over-under markets for specific players. And Luke, looking at the Action Network app, you already have seven over-under draft slot bets that you've locked in and each have seen the odds steam immensely, like some even moving an entire draft slot at this stage. And one of those popular players who did that last year, like last year, Luke and I, we did a show talking about the NBA draft and one of these big risers in both mock drafts and saw major steam for the over under markets was a player, Jalen Williams with the Oklahoma city thunder Jalen with the E not with the Y. Um, And what I'm wondering guys is from your initial look at these mock drafts and seeing guys move up the board, maybe move down the board, who do you think is going to be this year's Jalen Williams for betters to monitor? Luke, you can go first. Uh, so I would say like, if there's someone like directly, like that was a great example and it, it paid off because there are guys that you just hear, they're just gaining more and more and more momentum. And I mean, that, that became, I think it's like over under was like 18 and just kept coming down and coming down and it settled at like, I want to say 13 and a half and that under still hit. I think he went exactly 13. Uh, but like Bilal, Col- I'm going to butcher so many names, but uh, Bilal Colby, whatever the guy's Colby out of Bobby. France. Colby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what <are>, um, <laughs> Bilal. I think I have that right. <laughs> he's one guy. Uh, he's one guy who's been getting a ton of momentum, uh, which he's been playing games. And that is like somewhat of an outlier relative to other drafts. is, Wemby and Bilal have been been playing in the France finals um, and they've been doing very well. I think they didn't do very well in the final, which was yesterday or two days ago. Uh, but Bilal has just been increasing his stock game by game uh, where if his over-under came out, I want to say two weeks ago, it probably would have opened at like 25 and a half. And then it came out last week, um, give or so a couple of days, and it's 12 and a half, which just shows you like how much his stock has been increasing and all the mocks that have been updating have him consistently between the 10 and 12 range. There are rumors of him having a quote unquote promise, which I don't really want to get into the promises because like, if they're real, no one even knows, but 12 is the rumored team to give him a promise would be the thunder, which is over under is 12 and a half. And they have picked 12. Um, and then there's a couple other guys like Jalen Hood. He's another one. And then Lively. Like, those are the three that are really creeping up. Um, I'm seeing Lively in the top 10 right now. And Hood, I think, can uh, make a move as well. But Bilal would be probably the best example um, relative to Jalen last year of someone just moving up the board, like, exponentially by the day. Yeah, Bilal is uh, an insane example because already seeing uh, out there over-unders around 11 and a half with the under-steamed upwards of minus 200 for him. Brian, I'll ask you the same question. Is there anyone that you've seen maybe from the start of the year that maybe you were thinking they they probably wouldn't have a chance maybe to be a lottery pick but are are moving up the ranks where somebody that we could target for an over-under prop here? Jordan Hawkins. 
He's had, unbelievable. Like I and I was so, I was at the Big East tournament. I was covering it, and he was somebody that I was hearing. Yeah, he'll be a first round pick. He'll be a first round pick. And now all of a sudden, you're looking at him eleventh on some on some mock drafts, thirteenth. He's in the lottery, and that's something I did not see coming. Uh, as as good as I think he is, right? And his teammate uh, Andre Jackson, like he's somebody who might get into the first round. All of a sudden, even though I was talking to some people who. They were like, yeah, he, he'll probably be a two-way, maybe a late second-round guy, and he's somebody who's crept up. So a couple of the UConn guys there. Uh, Blah Kulababi, as Luke said, like he's somebody who – there's a lot of variance as to where as to how people feel about him also. I've seen him at 12, 13. I've also seen him at 25. I believe Sam Vecini has him at 12 uh, on his big board right now. And he's somebody, when you look at where the NBA is and is going – He's about 6'7", depending on where you look at what he's listed. I've seen him listed between 6'5 and 6'8", so we'll go with 6'7 for now. Um, About 230 right now, has a 7'3 wingspan, has potential to shoot, has a lot of the tools that NBA teams are looking for in terms of not just role guys, but guys who can they potentially mold into stars, right? This is a guy who profiles as somebody who's going to get into the lottery. That doesn't mean he will, but it means like he'll be tantalizing enough for somebody in that 10 to 14 race to, to really take a chance on him, right? So Kulababi's one, Jordan Hawkins is one. And then I had another Taylor Hendricks, uh, who we talked about earlier um before we got on here. And he's got what a lot of people are saying three and D potential, but he's six nine. A lot of the guys you talk about having three and D potential are like six five, six, six, or whatever. So I think NBA teams are gonna look at that in the top 10. And this is somebody who was not projected to be a top 10 pick earlier this year. They're going to look at him in the top 10, his skill set, his profile, what he showed at Central Florida and be like, okay, Taylor Hendricks. And he's somebody who's over under, I think, is now in the single digits, right? So he's somebody you can look at in the top 10 as well. I wanted to talk about Jordan Hawkins just for a second, because uh, as somebody who follows the mock drafts uh, year round and remembering even just before the tournament even started, he was probably mocked in the 20s around there. And I'm seeing his over under uh, at 14 and a half with the under around minus 105. And again, I'm not sure. Is that something that you would recommend to a better to maybe look at at the 14 and a half range just based on the mock drafts that we've seen? Or do you think we should hold off on Jordan Hawkins? The dangerous thing about waiting is the way he's been trending is that number might actually get to like minus 125, minus 130. (laughs) and you could see like less value there. So that's something that I'd really consider putting it down now because of just the buzz around him and him rising up the draft boards. That's a different conversation. This is saying whether he's worth going that early, right? Because that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about how these teams are potentially going to pick. And as of now, 10 days ahead, it looks like he may be a lottery pick. So minus 105 there, that doesn't sound too bad. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's going to get, better for you in terms of value with Jordan Hawkins, unless some things change over the next week and a half. Yeah. And the guys like Hawkins, where like there's such, it's, there's such a gray area where like Hawkins, like his biggest skill set that he's basically getting drafted off of is his shooting ability. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would compare it to like a player who runs a sub four, three at the NFL combine. Um, And if you take away his 40, like he's would probably go and, like the second or third round where Hawkins, you take away his shooting ability and who knows where he goes. Cause he doesn't offer a lot other than that. Um, so like, there's definitely a volatility where like 14 and a half, like I could, I've been flip-flopping like 
Love the under, love the over. Um, he's just one that like there's just the shooters can go so much higher than you expect. And at the same time, like they could go lower uh, because it is very much like, and I remember Hawkins in the tournament. Like I remember, I, I was like, I love this guy. And I went into this draft process. Like he was one of the guys I pinpoint and one of the few personal biases I probably had uh, based off of March Madness experience. But uh, like the shooters are very much, it's like the Henry Ruggs going as the first wide receiver. Cause he ran a four, two, if that's an okay example to still use, but uh and then like Hawkins is just that sharpshooter that like, I think it, it's, it's a very comparable trait um, that teams can fall in love with. Well, and like Hawkins and like rugs, you just need a team like the Raiders in the draft exactly. to, to do that. And all you need is one team. So Brian thinks we should take a look at him on the under 14 and a half. If you could find it out there, uh, Luke maybe wants to just stay put, but again, we all saw what he could do in the draft has a translatable skill in the NBA, actually a little bit bigger too than I thought. I thought he was like six, two, six, three. He's actually listed at six, five. Uh, again, they can fudge those a little bit, but at the same time, again, in this NBA where we're looking for positionless basketball and you're switching on defense all the time, that's one of the knocks on Scoot of the fact that he's six, two, as opposed to Brandon Miller, who's around the six, eight, six, nine range and why people are maybe starting to downgrade Scoot because of that size discrepancy. Um, now, the next thing I wanted to ask you guys is markets that we can monitor now, some of the draft bets that we want to make. Because I know that there's probably some people out there are wondering, okay, we've talked like hypothetical. What's some bets that we can make right now and get some value? And Luke, you were looking at a matchup market. And what this means is this is where you choose which player will who will be drafted before the other. Like, for example, you could choose Scoop versus Brandon Miller as a matchup, and they have odds listed for each guy. So, Luke, right now, based on the matchups that are out there, what is a matchup prop that you're looking at that we should bet today? Uh, so this would be like actually like one of the few like value bets I think that exists right now um, that I would actually recommend. And it really has to do with Cam Whitmore. Um, he's not involved in the bet, but Cam Whitmore is somewhat of like the Witherspoon from the NFL draft, who was the corner that went number four and his stock just continued to rise. And Whitmore is very similar where I think his over under was seven and a half at one point. He just has continued to come down where the Pistons at five have been like the consensus for him and he's not going to get past five. But as like the last week or so from opinions that I respect, he has been making moves on the number four spot. Um, the two twins, Eamon and Oster, uh, their shooting ability has somewhat have caused a ripple where they like might fall in the number four spot. Eamon being such a consensus, like I just thought was, it just, could, he could never have been such a consensus relative what the mocks have been showing. And Whitmore has been taking that spot as of recently. And if he goes for like Walker uh, and I'm going to draw, how do you pronounce Walker's first name? Jairus. I thought it was Jairus, Jairus Walker. Okay. Yeah. Jairus Walker. Uh, if Whitmore goes for Jairus Walker at five um, has real legs, which brings me to the matchup, which would be Jairus to go before Osser, uh, where Osser could fall out of the top 10. And Jairus to go before Osser, which I think it's plus 150 right now. It was like plus 180 at one point last week. But a plus 150, like that's just like a great value bet where even if Whitmore goes five, I can still see that happening because there are scenarios where Osser falls out of the top 10. Um, especially if Eamon falls. It feels like Eamon's going to push Osser back and back because I think it was O'Connor's podcast, I want to say last week, where he was doing the scenario of like Whitmore going four. If Whitmore goes four, he was struggling to pinpoint a spot for the Twins to go. And he actually ended up putting Eamon at like number eight and then Osser out of the top 10. 
um, which I don't, I don't, I don't know how realistic that is, but with Walker being plus one fifty, um, it just that feels like somewhat of a value bet that has just gotten steamed up based off of Oscar and Eamon being such a consensus um, in the top six or seven. That just isn't um, realistic to me. I think it will gradually come down as the week goes on too. Perfect. Okay, so you like Jairus Walker over Osir Thompson. That is one of the twins, not Amen Thompson, Osir Thompson. Now, Brian, we talked about this off air about Walker's stock and where he could potentially be picked in the top five. Right now, seeing it at FanDuel for Walker to be fifth overall pick at plus 450. Wondering if that's kind of where your head is leaning right now. That, that's something I would take a shot at because he, if people remember, and I think this is relevant to this conversation earlier in the year, he was projected to be a top five pick coming into the, coming into the season. And he sort of just teetered around there. Miller got hot. Scoot ended up moving back a spot now by consensus. Amen Thompson obviously made an impression. He plays an overtime elite. So those guys typically don't go into the season being uh, projected into the top three or four, or whatever the case may be right now he's fourth. But I think, Jarris Walker has a real shot at getting into this top five because once you get past Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, there's not like a clear this guy is the next pick. This is similar to last year where all of a sudden the number fourth overall pick became Keegan Murray, which I feel like was a minor surprise. I don't remember what the odds were on that, but yeah, I remember was... talking to a couple of people that there was a minor surprise. Like it was clear that the first three were going to be Shet, Paolo, Jabari, whatever order, and then it was like, wait, Keegan Murray got. Pick number four, Sacramento. I think uh, Walker here at number five, or potentially at number four also. You can get pretty good odds, on a pretty good plus odds on him to go either fourth or fifth. Fifth right now, FanDuel, I believe is plus uh, 450 right now. 450 and, for fifth overall pick. Yeah, and he would go to Detroit, which it actually makes a lot of sense because, one, they shouldn't take a guard. They have Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Remember, you have to consider like roster construction, at least to some degree, as positionless basketball is because the Pistons do have two guards already. So it's like, why would you get another one, right? right. One of which I can get to in a second. But And then you look at their center situation. They were pretty popularized last year for having a bunch of centers. Don't think they're going to get another one right now. So. Jarris Walker makes a lot of sense there uh, to play the four, especially since they have Boyan Bogdanovich, who they can trade potentially on draft night or at some point. Yeah, like Walker's just going to – like I think seven is the ceiling. Like Walker's just going to go in the top seven to me, uh, where like Asier could like fall to the top ten. So in terms of like – and he's favored at like minus 160 to go before Walker. So like we feel good about Walker going in the top seven, but like there's the window of – or like – there are the scenarios that us here could fall out of the top 10. Like Walker shouldn't be this high of plus money. Like I still think he should probably be like us here should definitely be the favorite, but not to this degree or even close. Yeah. Like if you think Walker is going to go into the top five, he probably won't have as good value as he does right now. Right. So I yep. would say, right. I would say if you think, if you think that's going to be the case, then I would, I would take a stab at that plus four fifty for the fifth pick and whatever he is at the fourth pick right now. One player I wanted to talk about for both of you, because Luke, you had uh, an over-under draft slot pick for Grady Dick from the Kansas Jayhawks. And Brian, we talked about this off air about where a potential landing spot for him could be. And you were looking closer to the 9-10 range, maybe even past uh, 10. I'm wondering what picks were you looking at for uh, Grady Dick? 
So he's been worked out by Utah and Dallas. He feels a lot like a guy who would go to Utah, and that sounds like a joke, but it's pretty like Danny Ainge likes this kind of guy, right? Who can come in, shoot, be a contributor right away. Um, he makes a lot of sense there just from a basketball perspective, but also they worked him out. There's interest there. Dallas needs shooting next to Luka Doncic, who they plan on keeping. Uh, don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving, but regardless, they're going to need shooting. And Grady Dick feels like somebody who could be a Dallas Maverick as well. They also worked him out. He's plus 300 to go number uh, 10 to Dallas. He's plus 250 to go number nine uh, to Utah as of this recording uh, on FanDuel. And his over under is 10 and a half, which I think that under is really interesting because I'd be pretty surprised, at least as of now, uh, he gets past Jazz, Dallas, whatever. Like he's somebody who and we talked about shooting earlier as it pertains to Jordan Hawkins. Grady Dick could be the best shooter in this draft. He really could be like and this is somebody who also has some size at that wing spot. And it just makes a lot of sense for him to end up in Utah or Dallas ultimately. Luke, what did you, um, for your over-under pick, did you end up taking the over or the under for his draft slot? I took over nine and a half, but I wouldn't play it. I wouldn't play over 10 and a half, um, which really it's just like at, the, at over nine and a half, you're really just betting on him not going to Utah. Like that's one out where like that just, like you're better off just betting him to go exact nine pick if it was nine and a half. I definitely wouldn't bet over 10 and a half. Um, I think it's it's somewhat of a coin flip between whether Hendricks falls to nine or like, and then there are scenarios that, which I think are less likely for Grady Dick to go ahead of Hendricks. Um, but at 10 and a half, yeah, it would be an under at nine and a half. It was, it's an over, it was definitely a, a numbers play. And that was like two weeks ago. Um, and he just feels like, it just feels like there's a consensus top eight or nine players in this draft. And then it becomes chaos, uh, which to me, Grady Dick isn't one of those nine. Um, but he's probably the tenth um, in terms of like a consensus, and um, at nine and a half, it should always have been ten and a half. I guess you could say to me. Um, but well, as you say that, uh, looking at out there right now, his draft slot has since moved to ten and a half for an over under draft prop. I wanted to recap some of these picks. So, Luke, you have Jarris Walker over Osir Thompson matchup. You've got that at plus one fifty. Brian, you're looking at Jarris Walker for the fifth pick at plus four fifty, and both the Jazz and the Mavs to consider Grady Dick number nine pick at plus 250 plus and uh, sorry at number 10 at plus 300. So those are all well and good, but you have a long shot pick that you're looking at as well, Brian. And this one kind of blew my hair back a little bit when you were deciding on this and you were, we were discussing this. Can you tell us what kind of long shot better you pick looking at right now for the NBA draft? This is a real long shot, but look, Anthony black is probably going to be a good NBA player. I think there's a consensus there. Like he's getting, he's getting Josh Giddy comparisons. Some people think he's going to be even better than that. And we were talking about how there's not really a clear consensus on who's the fourth best player in this draft. And there's the potential for a surprise there. And I'm looking at Anthony black. He worked out with the Houston Rockets. They could use him next to Jalen green, somebody who could actually like really play point guard there. And from a basketball perspective, it makes sense. He has size, uh, could be a two-way player. Some people think he could also bring it on the defensive end at the next level. Um, Anthony Black, to be the fourth pick, is probably plus 4,000, I think, right now. Yes, it and is. It's one of those where it's like, 
I wouldn't be surprised because all year long, the talk was Anthony Black. It's going to be one of the best players in the draft, one of the best players in the draft. Now he's projected to be in that sort of seven to nine-ish, maybe six range, uh, six to nine range or whatever. And I think there's real potential that he can sort of start hearing his name creep up this last week or so because of what he can show as a two-way player, because of what he could show as a, as a tall point guard. And I think Houston, Anthony Black just makes a lot of sense. I don't know if that's the direction they're going to go, but in terms of a long shot bet, like th- this is what the draft is for. And we were talking this up, like some of these things could actually happen. I like Anthony Black a lot. There are NBA teams who like Anthony Black a lot. Um, for him to be the fourth pick also makes more sense than the fifth pick because the points we were talking about earlier about the Pistons might be set at guard already. If they if they were to get Anthony Black, then it's like, well, what's up with Cade Cunningham, really? Or they're just going to do something totally different, which would be fun. But Houston, Anthony Black, like I, I, I'm probably sprinkling on that plus four thousand for him to be the fourth pick. Luke, what do you think about uh, him going forth overall to the Rockets? Uh, and again, I probably wouldn't recommend anybody betting like a full unit on that kind of price. But no, <laughs> we've seen crazier things happen in the draft. Uh, you got to think that an endorsement on a sprinkle is okay. Yeah, I mean, arguing with a 40 to 1 bet with that type of reasoning is just criminal. I'm definitely going to get involved with this after that. Where like the fourth pick is, I mean, we were talking about Murray going number four last year. Um, and no one saw that coming. And the fourth pick is definitely when everything starts. There really isn't a huge argument for any of the guys. Um, I don't like Eamon, Whitmore, Black. Like is Black, is his stock not much far off from those other two? And I'm assuming before this season, Black was ahead of those two guys um, in terms of the consensus that the number four pick is right now. So yeah, I, I definitely am with that. Absolutely. So guys, one of the things about the NBA draft that I love is where we're at right now. There's just, there's a few markets. There's some that we can exploit, some that are just completely steamed out at this point, but over the next 10 days, there's going to be a lot more markets coming out, you know, uh, to be a first round pick international players taken in the first round exact order. Uh, What I wanted to know from your guys' experience in betting the draft is there a market that has yet to be released that you were waiting to pounce on that maybe our listeners can also piggyback on as well? I'm waiting for like, I'm always waiting for to be drafted in the first round. Like those are one of those are my favorites. Um, there's a couple over-unders that like they have, I think they have 13 over-unders out right now, which honestly they had, they've had these out for a while. Like, well, like pr- they released NBA over-unders before NFL draft over-unders, which it was like just teasing us, but there's so much less attention on the NBA draft. They have to get them out earlier in terms of like getting liquidity on these uh, where there's a couple players like top 10 also would be great. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. The, like first round would be fantastic. Um, and as many over unders as possible would be also fantastic. Um, yeah. First yeah. round. Yeah, absolutely. Like the top 10 pick, I think of last year, one of the most popular ones was uh, Jeremy Sochan to go to the Spurs. And yeah. he was around plus 110, plus 120. And, and you could see these guys start to creep in. And even though they may have plus odds, there's definitely value to that. From yeah, a first round pick standpoint, yeah, go ahead, Luke. Yeah, and there's just like, and there's less options that they can offer too, because like in the NFL, you have like conferences, you have positions, like first running back to be drafted or um, team to pick position where – like in a positionless NBA that like divisions are pretty much irrelevant. Like there's just less things that they can put out. 
Um, exactly. Yep. So, but so like good, kind of make sure point. that like, but at the same time gives me confidence that things like to be drafted in the first round will be released because they have to add markets, um, mm-hmm. which those, that's one of the few that they can still add. And Brian, yourself, is there anyone maybe going in the first round or like a you're just waiting to see kind of what these odds will be so you could jump on it? Yeah, to be drafted in the first round, I agree. Like that's something I'm looking at as it pertains to some guys with high school pedigree who were projected very high, who have mm-hmm. since fallen and are expected to be in the second round. But then somebody takes a chance on the talent in the late 20s or something along those lines. Like an Imani Bates, for example, was not expected to go until maybe the 50s. But this is somebody who in high school was getting Kevin Durant 2.0 comparisons, best player in his high school year uh, uh, alongside Chet Holmgren. And, you know, he's gone through some stuff. It didn't really work out in Memphis, transferred to Eastern Michigan. He's kind of inefficient as a scorer, uh, negative wingspan, all these different things. But you see the raw talent there, and that's something that an NBA team could take a chance on. And because he's not projected to go until so much later, he's somebody that I think there'll be a good number on to take a sort of sprinkle at that maybe he gets there. A little, a one that's more realistic to go in the first round maybe is Amari Bailey, who is, again, projected to be a second rounder, but also had a massive high school pedigree and has since dropped off a little bit because UCLA, he didn't necessarily kill it the way people thought, but he's another one. And then you look at a guy, maybe like a Julian Strother, for example, who's who was first round pick for a while, early second round, maybe mid second round, whatever. He's sort of teetering there. But he's one of the best shooters in this draft to take it back to shooting. He's a big wing who's six, seven, uh, could rebound for his position at Gonzaga, had, you know, one of the biggest shots in the tournament, if we remember also. I think somebody could look at the sort of shooting profile, the player profile. Maybe there's a three and D ceiling there, depending on what he can be defensively. And somebody could talk themselves into Julian Strother in the 20s. So looking at that and then international players to go to the first to go in the first round. Obviously, you know, Victor Wembanyama was one. We like Bilal Koulibaly to be another one. And then from there, it's like Ryan Rupert. There was talk about him. He's played in the New Zealand and the Australian League. He's French. Um, he may go in the first round. James Naji, who announced that he's going to stay in the draft. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported he was working out with, I believe, Serge Ibaka over in Spain. He may go in the first round. So that international number is going to be somewhere most likely, most likely between three and five. Um, it's three and a half. Camby came out with it, with it I want to say, last night. Yeah. It's three and a half. Um, yeah. It, it's probably not going to be five. It's, pro- it's going to be three or four most likely. So three and a half is the perfect number for that. And this this is good information because even a guy I think of last year uh, who had the high school pedigree didn't really have a great time in college at, at uh, uh, Milwaukee was Patrick Baldwin who's ended up drafted by the Golden State Warriors I believe like looking remembering the first round draft pick market he was around plus two hundred to be taken in the first round and ended up sneaking in at the twenty fifth pick so there are guys who are going to sneak into the first round that we're not thinking about that teams are more high on than the betting market. All right, we're going to get out here on this one. We need to talk about the twin elephant in the room. That would be the Thompson twins. No, not the group from the late 80s who had the number one hit, Hold Me Now. We're talking about Ozir and Amen Thompson. Has the Thompson twins, like, has the market made any consensus on Osir or Amen? Like, uh, at this point, like, basically both are being described as quick twitch athletes, 
One's maybe a bit more of a playmaker. The other one shooting is a little bit better. At this point, Luke, based on the mock drafts and the consensus of what we've seen, what are we looking at here? Is it Amen or Osir that we need to be looking at to be taken first overall? Or not first overall, but first before the other. I mean, they're they're genetically the same person, but we still have like a consensus that like like Amen, Amen, whatever it is, is like ahead of Osir, where like the consensus has been like Amen ahead of Osir because he's like the 99th percentile of like athletes ever drafted. But neither of them can shoot, essentially, um, which is crazy that both of their biggest flaws is shooting and they're still considered like a consensus top five, top 10 pick. Uh, but I am seeing like Wasserman actually on his mock draft this morning, put us here ahead of Amon, which was one of those like very notable things. And they even have a matchup up on whatever, like all of the books where Amon is like minus two sixty to go ahead of us here, um, which I'm sure Wasserman's mock is probably going to move those numbers a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I think it's a general consensus that Amen is ahead of Osier, but like really like they both can fall, but they both can go really early. Um, and the G League in general, I do feel like hasn't been producing up to expectations mm. drafted in the last couple of years. So I don't think like guys like that are going to go in the top 10. I don't think like that's enough of a red flag for them to fall, but like someone like, what's the guy's name? Uh, there's another one. Uh, but it's something worth notable where maybe because like, G League's like basically AAU at this point. Um, and how someone going in the top 10 playing the G League should just absolutely dominate. And they had glimpses of it. But at the same time, like there are a lot of scenarios where they both can fall to the eight plus, but also can both go in the top five. So jury's out. No one really knows. Like, I think you're better off figuring out what's going to happen with the other guys um, and then just slot those guys in based off of that. But Eamon's definitely a consensus over us here, at least currently yeah i the thing that i remember is in 2011 there was a consent not i don't know how much of a consensus it was but there was a belief that marcus morris was a better twin than markeith and then markeith actually went one pick ahead <laughs> of marcus morris which was kind of a mild surprise twin trends yeah Water. yeah they were both they were both uh they were both in the lottery and then before that brooke lopez and robin lopez brooke was 10 in 2008 robin was i want to say 15th or something along those lines in that draft but both were projected to go very high but we had an understanding at least at that point brooke lopez is the offensive twin robin lopez is the defensive twin <laughs> because <laughs> that's kind of what it was at stanford the morris twins it, there was there was like no difference Right. For whatever reason, we have a consensus that Amen is better. Uh, he's projected to go higher. Like, again, a lot of people think he's going to potentially go number four overall. Um, but we'll see. I don't I don't think there's a, a dramatic difference between the two either. Um, and I don't know, really know what to make of the competition they played because they were at Overtime Elite. And Overtime Elite is it's new. Um, they haven't produced a ton of NBA guys. It's only been a couple of years of the experiment. And, you know, the athleticism is off the charts, but this is a problem that Scoot Henderson's running into, right? Like the, the shooting questions, if, if Scoot Henderson could shoot, he probably would be the second overall pick right now. But there's questions about the shooting. It's the same thing with the Thompson twins. And, you know, we'll see. But I, I think Amen projects to be a little bit better for whatever reason. But if I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I fully expect them to be drafted higher just because I remember Marcus Morris like, yeah, he's the better twin between Mark, him and Markeith. And then Markeith went 13 and Marcus Morris went 14. So who knows? Yeah, and they're they're both old for the draft. Like they're both 21. 
which like everyone else in the top 10 is like 19. Um, so they've been in the G league for a couple of years, which age is definitely like a huge thing, like for the NBA draft, like it's probably one of the most important things. And being mm-hmm. 21 is definitely like, that's like a, a fifth year quarterback coming out of, into the NFL draft. Um, and Bilal Kulabali, for example, he's still 18. Yeah, he didn't right, turn 19, exactly. I don't think, until, until July. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Morris Twins, like you said, they were drafted 13th and 14th overall. They did play together briefly uh, yeah, in Phoenix right. uh, before one was uh, <laughs> shipped off. But uh, I was just thinking if whether or not like a team like Orlando or Utah could be able to swing up and snag them together, or what, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, at this point, uh, these this is everything that we've got. Uh, I want to recap the picks just to make sure if anybody missed them. So Luke loves Jairus Walker over Asir Thompson at plus 150. Brian is looking at Jairus Walker to go fifth overall at plus 450. He's also looking at Grady Dick at the number nine pick and the number 10 pick. That's plus 250 and plus 300 respectively. And he's also looking at a long shot pick for Anthony Black to be taken fourth overall at plus 4,000. So that'll do it for the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm Jill Gallant. I want to thank Brian and Luke for joining me today. We're going to be back next week. Another discussion for the NBA draft and the bets we're making. Make sure to download the Action app for more info on our NBA draft bets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.